0: everybody, it's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 9 of LOI Central with Johnny Ward and Daniel McDonnell in association with FutureTicketing.ie. And on episode 9 today, we're going to talk to Gary Cronin. I spoke to him after the Bray Wanderers' Galway United game. Bray getting off the mark of the season, but our main guest on the show is uh, Jonathan Douglas, Dan. We've, we've gone a little bit different this week.
0: Yeah, Jonathan Douglas, a former Ireland international, um, started his career at Monaghan United, but obviously left very young and has spent his last 20 years in the UK effectively. um, Played for his country, played at the the highest level over there, you know, sort of long spells at Blackburn and and Brentford, but um, he's working in the area of us with player representation now, an agent. Um, It's not actually, we haven't necessarily had that that type of guest on before, but um, sort of a bit of a different voice, someone who's been watching a lot of games in the league, um from a from a perspective, I suppose, of like someone over the water, maybe identifying talent that might be good enough to make the move. But mm. as a consequence, like watching a lot of games and you know, we we obviously have a, a merry-go-round of voices that we we you know that we have all the time on these type of shows who know the league very well. Um you uh, so it's just interesting for him to get a little bit of a of a fresh take from a from a fresh voice on, on what their thoughts are and things here at the moment. And maybe you know, how, how how talent in the league can transfer to other levels and, and how you judge that because it, it's, it's funny, like, you know, we, we had the, the conclusion of, the, of the, the football leagues over the weekend, the regular league seasons in England, and it's very interesting stuff and it's very familiar names involved, you know, at various levels, you know, Owen Doyle, you know, who we've on before and Wes Hulhan, obviously, and you know, then you have the likes of Benny and, and Kieran Sadlier sort of going down at Rotherham. Um, although they weren't they didn't start their game last weekend, the Rochdale lads like you know some like mm. Jimmy Kehan who's had a great season. Great the season, wasn't he? Yeah, and yes, yeah, you'll have some other players who've gone from the league with a lot of fanfare who haven't um, necessarily hit the heights, you know. So yeah, it's just a bit of a general discussion. We'll see what Jonathan has to say. Yeah, but we've had um we've had an interesting interesting oh, we weekend have, in, in the I'm, league here didn't
1: I, I? I'm very interested to uh, yeah to talk about that uh, congratulations to Dundalk stalwart Dundalk fan Ian Sharkey who won the four star pizza last week breaking uh, a sequence of lads that either I knew or basically associated with Galway United a victory you for know Dundalk him. you know him. I you do know, Ian, know, know him. Known from the racing game as well. Sound lads, four star pizza on its way to uh, the boy Sharky, um, who of course is is a is a big Dundalk fan, and uh, Dundalk season rather limps along. Is one of the talking points. Uh, of a fascinating uh, round of games which was the, the first first round of fixtures in the second quarter of the League of Ireland series lots to talk about in the first division as well you'll get us on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify SoundCloud so on and so forth and thanks again to futureticketing.ie Dan this is the today's actually the recording this on Wednesday it's the 30th anniversary of Galway United's 1991 FAI Cup triumph the only time Galway United ever won anything but in terms of the actual title race this season I obviously Made a show of myself before by crowning Shamrock Rovers champions when there were 13 points clear and they went on to not win the league this season. From my WhatsApp conversations after the game against St. Patrick's on Saturday, I haven't found anyone who thinks the title race isn't over. Um, basically, everyone is saying that Shamrock Rovers have the league won. Is that the case? And was Danny Mandrew's late, late goal um, was that the death of the 2021 title? Race in effect, <laughs> was it really? Oh, is it, is, yeah. Can can it happen? Pats are the only team that have any chance. But there's two different discussions
0: behind. here. There's two different discussions here. Does everyone think Shamrock Rovers will win the league? I think most people do believe that. That's my opinion, and I know that's your opinion. I'm sure most people's opinion. like there's still 20, whatever, 28 games to go or or, say the 26 games to go. 26 games, yeah. Yeah, It's 26 games to go. So, and there's five points in it. Mm. So if you declare that title race over, like, like to say that, right, to to declare it over is to suggest that if that goal hadn't gone in and the difference is then only two points, but the title race is therefore alive as though one game can like totally defines the entire season. I know where you're coming from completely, but like that's, you know, that's, and, and it may well prove to be the case, but if we're declaring title races over, we're a five pound gap after ten games. Then what's the point of even starting the league?
1: A little you know, look, part of me well, died what, when Danny what, Mandel what, got that goal though, because I wanted to. Why be, do we even have a league at all? Why, why do we, even we have, have a league at, at all? Because if we have people we like Ollie Horgan and and well, what is the point of look, what is the
0: point of football? If you know at the start of the season who's probably going to win it, then look, why even play it? Yeah. You know, like would, a bit like a young John
1: Giles there. Um, we waste
0: but, all of our time talking about football when actually we should just at the start of the season decide who was most likely to win after a number of games, and then we could spend the rest of the year doing completely different things. Well, well, we like, we do
1: actually waste our lives talking about football. We could be doing stuff that's actually relevant, like climate change like or politics like or you know something. You know, we see our erstwhile friend Emma Malone moving over from football to to news reporting. Maybe he'll have an epiphany and say, "Why were we? Why were we just wasting our lives talking about the League of Ireland and football?" When we could have done something meaningful you know change the world or you know gone gone down the route of actually you know changing public discourse and matters that really matter as opposed to a spat between graham burke and brian Carr, which was one of the intriguing elements of a game you were at and you seem to enjoy what gets us what what gets us through the days you, know, you shouldn't be a, through the days is that, is that how bad life is it gets us through the days I mean well you shouldn't be
0: like you shouldn't be like you know people People will go to a funeral a very sad event and they'll talk about sport it's a great distraction yeah, that's you, should true. Taking, you should never be afraid of taking should never be afraid of taking sport seriously like sport is a great, uh, it's a what, great would what would you do if you weren't what would you do Dan if you
1: weren't if you weren't in sports journalism what do you think you'd be doing would you be in journalism or would you be doing something totally totally different
0: do you know it's a good question because um you got to have I, these I questions don't, at times in I your don't life. Know, I don't know if I ever wanted really to do anything else.
1: Um, mm. But but, like, but you want to be a know, professional footballer and tennis player. Oh, we've, <laughs> we've just, yeah.
0: no, the tennis player thing was... No, John Owens not picked up going, on that last week. We're not going through that. that again. We're not going through that again. But I, I don't know, actually. But I've never done anything else other than um, like, you know, work casually in a news agent, which was like selling newspapers, and then work in the tote on the racetrack. Like you know, which is effectively a sporting related endeavor. I don't know, but like, but like, but like, you know, um, like you know, you'd say that we would spend our time concentrating on climate change or, or you know, political matters. But like, reality, you just spend a lot of your time talking rubbish about something else, completely mm-hmm. meaningless. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't know, like I mean, you recently were involved in the purchase of a painting.
1: I, I got well, it. Well, it wasn't. I wasn't actually. The painting was procured, but I had nothing to do with the procurement of but it. You, but whatsoever. you, but
0: you did go. To, you did go to casually inspect some art on
1: a day yeah. off. Well, let, we like, talk I mean, about trips to Belfast later that, on in that, the show. <laughs> <laughs> be fair. Is that
0: your new passion? We haven't That's even mentioned the,
1: the flagrant COVID breaches and and so forth. Uh, well, listen, well,
0: well,
1: yeah, well, terrible we're stuff on. On. Let's get let's get back to the game, Dan, the Let's get uh, back to the uh, game. Fa- two fascinating game. aspects of this: Danny Mandrew. Why did it all go wrong at Bowes? Bradley after the game saying he's a joy to work with. He's been brilliant for Rovers this season. He's become a bit of a talisman. And was that goal bad goalkeeping or was it brilliant play by Danny Mandrew? You had a better view than I did.
0: Well, listen. It was a bad mistake by Lee Desmond initially. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I just want to say first and foremost, it was a really good game, really enjoyable game. Again, very much conscious, lucky to be there, very lucky to be there. I don't know if it came across as a good game on the on the watch Why? I would have, I would imagine that it did. It was, it was okay. Like...
1: It wasn't as good, I thought, as you said it was because you were at it. Okay. And these it games are on the laptop after a while. They're just like another bloody yeah. game on the laptop. Yeah. And, and, was, and even if you're it looking wasn't... back on Rovers, sorry, just, sorry to interrupt, but you're looking back at Rovers with their view of both goals that they had on, on Twitter or whatever, kind of behind the goal view. And like even the atmosphere, you're just thinking, oh my God, this would be raucous. And it was just like the dugout was kind of cheering. It's just like, I'm done with this crap. Get crowds back.
0: OK, well, listen, I mean, all right. And, and we're all aware of that, and that's the problem for people. But I'm just saying, it was an absorbing game. Like, everyone that was there was very engaged. Like, I was behind what was the Rovers, uh, the Rovers' subs, who were obviously sitting in the stand in front of the section where I was. Mm. Great ne- needle between the sides, between the benches, really going at it. Um, and the feeling that maybe this is, this, this is potentially the start of another rivalry of sorts. Now, I know Pats and Rovers historically have always had a rivalry, but I'm, I'm talking about, like when I talk about rivalries in recent times, you're talking about groups of players who have a little bit of, of an edge. And I think as much as Pats lost, I and mean, they'll be absolutely devastated to have lost a game when, to be fair, they were dominated for a section of the first half. I don't think any team was ever as dominant in the game as Rovers were during the second half of the first half. Yeah. Whereas the second half, like Pats really got back on the game and, um, you know, they really, they almost recharged the batteries and, and really put it up to them and were, were lucky to lose the match. But in my opinion, although, you know, there was, there was chances at either end, which could, I could understand why either manager could make a view, say they should have won it. But I, I think that as much as they'll be devastated, they've lost it. They will take a lot of confidence from the fact that they were really competitive. You know, and there was a genuinely, it wasn't the feel of like a team being competitive in a cup tied or hanging on against a mm-hmm. superior team sense. It was more this is a game of football between I mean, two good teams. Probably we will find maybe the two best teams in the league this season, although Slyker Rovers people may disagree and we'll see what happens with, we'll with always are on else. the march. Yeah, we'll see what happens to anyone else, but it may well prove to be the case. Um, and I mean, I slag you off a lot, but you did say at the start of the season, Pats would be challengers. And I think I think that may prove to be accurate. But I, I think Pats will take a lot as a step in the road because I said this last year, it's almost like early... St- Pats, in some respects, it feels like they're, they're, Stephen O'Donnell is on the type of journey that Stephen Bradley was on at Rovers. Now you have those early years, you have to find the dressing room that suits you, you know, the players that suit you, players come and go. You might make some signings that don't work. You might have to blood some young players to try and find something. And then eventually you find your way. And I think maybe they're finding their way. Um, and I think they will be a challenger to Rovers in the next couple of years. Obviously, this year is more complex. You know, I understand your point. It's a five-point gap. And the reality is that Rovers just don't look like losing many games. And like, they have a great bench, a great squad. All and these late goals, Dan. They can keep fight level. Like, well, the, 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 the key stat, half of their games this season, they've got goals of significance in the 88 minute or later. Um, mm. Three wins and two draws from goals scored at that time. You know, which is... Unbelievably efficient, really. And the point about Mandrew, I didn't really get back to your initial question. Like, the type of goal that he scored is the type of goal you couldn't have imagined Danny Mandrew scoring for Bowes. Like, you think of Danny Mandrew at bose and you think of the goal against Rovers in the Derby, you think of like a 25 yard sort of uh, swagger, you know, with perfect technique, like goal against Shells. It's all long range goals and technique and wouldn't necessarily associate his goals with work rate, you know, and that was work rate. It was the, it was the 92nd minute, like Graham Burke had been taken off 25 minutes earlier. They'd actually tweak things a small bit by bringing on Chris McCann, along with Gary O'Neill, which is probably a compliment to Pats in a way. Yeah. Watts a bit further ahead, but they brought Dean Williams on too, but they, they effectively, you know, Mandrew was sort of, you know, was, was playing off the front man, but like they clearly like they know, they're monitoring their levels and their fitness. And clearly they know that, Drew, there's no concerns about, you know, um, and to win the ball as he did. You're sort of watching it happen in slow motion. Because your instinct yeah. is almost, he's won the ball in the own half, like in his own half here, or just going into, into the
1: Pats half. And you're thinking. I thought I know, Desmond's going to get back to him. And like, you think he'll get, get a caught.
0: You assume he'll get caught. Mm. And he did. And he kept going. He kept going. And there was obviously desire and fitness. And, I take your point about the keeper possibly wasn't great, but it still required a degree of, like, composure to get, it, you know, what they would say and just get it on target. And he sort of got it on target at a slightly funny angle, but it, but, it, but it went in.
1: Totally, Um, because in fairness, he he had to he had to like you know wrestle Lee Desmond away, and like Mandrew wouldn't be the quickest player in the world necessarily. So he's used like he's used. Is that a perception? I wonder. Is that a perception? Uh, I was kind of wondering that because I know like Lee Desmond isn't the quickest player in the world. Desmond isn't the quickest either. I know it's fair enough. But 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 did you see? He got the ball like this thing like hit the target is one of the most the greatest bullshit of uh, straight you know statements in football. He's got to hit the target. He's got to hit the target. You don't get goals for hitting the target. You get goals for beating the goalkeeper. But in this instance, instance. the score, so. in, in this in this instance like whatever about yaros maybe maybe it was good goalkeeping or maybe, sorry maybe it was a good goal he did like get into a position where in the last minute of a very tough game he's run from nearly the halfway line and he has hit the target he's beaten like a, a, the highly rated goalkeeper and he's kind of won the game for shamrock rovers and maybe um the Danny Mandrew renaissance is well on its way here where he could be like potentially the player of the season. I know Chris Forrester has gotten the player of the month um, announced this morning, but Danny Mandrew's, um, he's answered a lot of questions. Dan, he was kind of written off a bit after the Bowe's He stuff, wasn't. Uh, I, was, was he really written? I don't think he was He written was written off, off in, like, in terms of his mentality, I think. Why was Danny I Mandrew think the, He was third in the pecking order of number 10s for Bowe's by the end of last season. Yeah, or, or but everyone
0: knew, listen, listen, Anyone who didn't know he was joining Rovers uh, this season, like, you know,
1: was living from, in cloud cuckoo a, land. Was living, a, you know,
0: so mm. so clearly someone who's on your way to your main rivals, you know, isn't going to be necessarily to the forefront of your plans in the run-in of the season. But and, why
1: couldn't Bowles you know, get the best out of him? Um, well, I mean, until it, the it, ends. Just,
0: clearly, like, you know, clearly just things weren't, he wasn't happy there. And, Maybe as well, he needed the change of start to really the change of scenery. Sorry, a fresh mm. start to to think. Okay, well, where's his career going now? You know, and you get into like a full time environment, a really good full time environment where you know you, you like you know the, the training situation will be different in Rovers than it will be to Bowes. In that, all of a sudden, it's like right. You know, this is a new start. Are you are you ready to embrace this? Like Jack Byrne is gone. I know he's a different type of player. But there's an opportunity there with a team that you know most people think are going to win the league. Can you become a, a top player in this team? And maybe Bose was always like a stepping stone in his mind, and you know, too much so. Um and, and listen, maybe Roberts will be a stepping stone too. Um, if he wants to go somewhere, and in fairness, robbers have no problem motivating players with using that as a carrot. But in That's terms it. of where he wants to go, it was a big, you know, it, it's a bit a big statement for him. I think. I think that goal in particular. Um, I know he he was fouled in the derby for the penalty and all. It, you know, and you can debate whether it was a penalty or not. Um but I think that goal is a big one for him and it's more interesting to see how he responds to it like mentally because like yeah, you, you can't know, rest on you can your arms. Yeah, can go exactly. Both
1: ways to- the, the, the game the game had a lot of interesting layers like you know I've spoken about these young coaches who are evidently or obviously you know a lot of them are friendly with each other but they're going to have to try and outdo each other on a week to week basis and Stephen O'Donnell you know played Forrester effectively on the left which was fairly left field pardon the pun and it worked out a treat initially um, and then Rovers had to deal with it something you referenced in your match report that like these these tactical changes have kind of pros and cons but it, it turned into an, a fascinating kind of tactical battle between O'Donnell and Bradley, and other things to talk about. Obviously, Finn Harps. Ollie Horgan was like, um, "Yeah, if we don't turn up, we're going. If, if we don't turn up in and we could be in for a long night." And everyone's like, "Oh, Ollie change the record. They ended up losing four 0 and they were three 0 down at halftime to Bowes. Statement of intent from Bowes, who basically been playing well, just haven't been winning. But Dan Watford nil draw to seven. I mean, this isn't good on any level.
0: No, and and, and that's been obviously one of the stories of the week. Can- in touch on the dark later, as I mentioned, but the um the Waterford situation, yeah, I mean it's it's not good. I mean they they had a situation where they were COVID positive in the camp, and um, then they trained. As a result of that, obviously, I don't believe this person was aware. Naturally, they weren't aware you know, that they were a positive case at the time that they trained. But then once you retrace your steps, you've had a full training session, um. You know, the decision was, was obviously taken to stand the team down after discussions with the FAI and coming off advice from the HSC. And, and they had to do it. And we had a situation this year where you know, the league didn't want postponements. They said if you could feel 14 players, you know, you should go ahead with the game. But clearly, whatever the retracing of steps proved here, they couldn't do that. Mm. And you had this situation with, you know, an under 19 team. And just remember, the under 19s haven't been playing matches. It's not as if the under 19 league has been active. So they're ill-prepared. They lose 7-0. Um, so you can understand from Waterford's perspective that like they, they, under the rules, they would have had to play the under-19 side again um, this weekend. And when the rules suggest that if you forfeit a game, you lose 3-0, as we've seen with cabin galway it's a more pragmatic move to rather than subject an underage team to well, be another experience that wouldn't really benefit anyone and you could even argue from the integrity of the league you know it, this is all a bit questionable anyway yeah although I do appreciate the authorities are in a difficult position on this and then people are now subsequently saying well maybe could they have put some provision in the rules that you are almost allowed you know postpone one or two games across the season I don't know how I think that would be it sounds good in the head, but in, in practice, I'm not sure well, the, could that this, be this isn't could that be cynically could that be cynically yeah, exploitable? But by this isn't um, but but let, it's let me It's not inconceivable,
1: the point. Dan, just just briefly, it's not inconceivable that Waterford have a decent season, draw to drop off a bit, they end up finishing second and third last, and this seven-nil result is absolutely pivotal in how the well that's my worked. point.
0: That's my point. And and in that under listen, in the circumstances, I can understand why while it's not ideal, I can understand why Waterford have four for the game this weekend it's not a good solution but I suppose in the context of you know of COVID and what's going on in our in our lives in the last while like football here has done reasonably okay you know like things have gone smoothly there was always going to be issues there was always going to be matches affected and the volume that we've had when you consider that the league is you know you have a lot of part time players within the league you know we, it's been reasonably okay. That's been know? better than that. But, it's but, been
1: it's been very good.
0: It's pretty much been very good. Like obviously mm. there was aspects of of last year, you know, where where things were on the hoof because they didn't necessarily have it in the rule book to to make decisions, and they did put it in the rule book this year. But obviously, even what they put in the rule book this year, you know, hasn't prevented debate and discussion around decisions that have been taken.
2: So what happens now for Waterford? Um, well. Wow. If this sounds like for the second week in a row we've had to edit the podcast retrospectively to add in a Waterford update, I'll let you be the judge of that. But they have appointed Mark Bertram as their new manager, and the hope is that he will be in the dugout for their game against Derry City on Friday week. He's He's got a bit of quarantine to go through. The team have to come through their tests at the weekend with a view to training on Monday and um, so they do hope to have some degree of stability by the time that Derry game goes around. Now it's a, another left field appointment, Mark Bertram. He's 42, ex-QPR, Millwall player. He used to have that big blue mohawk when he played for QPR. Bit of a character. There's a podcast called Under the Cosh, which I have no hesitation in recommending. It's sort of a journeyman footballer podcast almost in the UK with a couple of ex-pros interviewing guys about their career. And uh, Bertram is quite a, a number of anecdotes in that. He's sort of a London lad who played for Canada before having set foot in the country. And liked to socialise around that time. So uh, Lee Power is sort of rolling the dice again, going for something a bit different. with a bit of an interesting backstory. And, and I'm sure we'll discuss him again in more detail next week. Um, But it sort of feels like there's something happening at Waterford every couple of days. Um, but yeah, Mark Bertram, new to the league, and I suppose the Waterford players will be looking forward to seeing what he's about. Brian Murphy would actually have worked with him before, um, so at least we'll have an awareness of what to expect um, from their time at QPR. Yeah. Um, what we
0: also have, actually, to discuss now is a bit of the news from the dock as well. Um, yeah, so the Dock FC has acknowledged that there was a recent breach of COVID-19 protocols and guidelines by some members of the first-team playing squad. Uh, that's a re- it's not mentioned but that's a reference to a weekend trip to Belfast as a result all players and coaching staff underwent COVID testing on Tuesday morning the club can confirm that all tests have since returned negative results after consultation with HSC Live the club has that no further action needs to be taken since the advent of the virus the club has worked in line with the FEI and HSC to ensure a safe environment for all of its players and staff and it is abundantly clear to everyone at Oriel Park that COVID-19 protocols must be strictly adhered to at all times Players fully recognise that this breach was a serious error of judgment and apologise unreservedly for their actions. Now, I could be wrong, but I would suspect that's probably the end of that matter. Um, I know people were very, very nervous about the prospects of a positive test um, mm. being being reported from. If someone had gone on that trip and recorded a positive test, their season would have been thrown in to further chaos. Um, now, like, I know actually, funny enough, over like the doc have had a year and they've had no COVID issues at all, you know, and other clubs have had them and the dog haven't. So, really, like, this was just a slip up. Now, I have to admit, I understand why they probably went for the idea of some kind of team bonding event because they probably need something at the moment because they've been so bad. But we are also like, you know, and what well, I appreciate that, listen, things are getting a bit more lax and things are thankfully loosening it up. Like, the league was still given the opportunity to start when other sports couldn't start. And that was something that needed to be preserved. And, you know, people couldn't take the piss with it, so it's a mistake. But we know of anecdotal stories where little things have happened and, you know, at other places, so no one can get too on their high horse about it. But, I mean, this was a mistake. Although, ironically enough, like, you know, Pearl, Sean, Sean Murray, one of the players that was pictured. Even in Northern is. Ireland. <laughs> so he wasn't at it wrong. Just in um, terms of, um, you know... Obviously, the lads, the lads. listen, they shouldn't have done it. They they, they, they basically got away with it. should be winning and, more and,
1: games. Whatever about COVID.
0: You no, know, but I guess what I'm saying is... People will say to me now... I just want to make this point now. People will, will be saying, well, they should have the book thrown at them. And listen, maybe internally they'll have to have a discussion about, you know about it but i mean in theory by crossing the border sitting outdoors and coming home it's not great but if you if you if you were to if if there was a, a top down decision to try and punish them for that then basically any player who's like gone across you know any player going across the border from donegal to derry or oh, or does whatever really you know
1: care? like honestly you just, know
0: exactly it's not that something can, that yeah. i it's thought it's not so, no listen i know your views on this and, and and we don't really need them but like you know in in the sense that I'm just explaining why it's very hard for anyone to really follow through and say anything, say anything other than don't do it again. But obviously, if they if they'd had a positive case, um, Jesus, it would have been it would have been, been very very yeah. problematic for them,
1: because you know. the the COVID situation in relation to them Doc in terms of how it's derailed their season. Thanks for James. Thanks, James Rogers, sending this in. Um, the record post COVID, they've played 23 games in the league, won five. And their record pre-COVID, and two of these defeats included junk games when the season was won. Played twenty-three, won nineteen, lost three. Um, This is incredible, Dan. And the the performance against Sligo was so insipid. Down to ten men, nothing. Like couldn't couldn't hit a shot on target. Dreadful,
0: dreadful. Like it's easy to say it now, and they did have a couple of chances late on. But honestly, like you have to send them off, and you think this is going to give them a lift. And ten minutes later, it was like nope. No, it's not, you know, and and in fairness, listen, Sligo Rovers did a very good job as well. And you can't just focus on the Like they 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 made, you know, they brought Shane Blaney on, they made the changes you would expect to some degree, and they closed it out. And like what it shows is like you watch pats at the weekend, you watch, you know, you watch you watch Sliger Rovers, like you watch other teams that have basically, you know, have, have improved past them, and not necessarily because they've got like amazing squads. But what they have is a purpose and a pattern, and and to be honest, like I, as I said, like you know, like you know, I wouldn't be pretending that 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 as much as the doctor and the Kenny years were a great side. Like you know, they weren't always like perfect professionals at all times. Like every club in the league, the best teams at the moment will have little events and stuff. I can understand why they tried to do something to try and find some kind of solution or to find some form. If you think about it; they would, um. They would normally go away in a, in a summer, tra- you know, a pre-season training camp, sorry, to Spain or something, you know, as part of integrating new players, spend a week away together, 10 days together. They didn't, they didn't do that this year. They only played a handful of friendlies as it is. They've been coming in and out to training. So I can understand why, you know, in terms of getting to know maybe some of the new players, why you would try something like that. It was just bad judgment to do it. They could have literally waited for another couple of days um, and and gone somewhere else and done it. And it wouldn't have been as much of a problem. Um but anyway, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, it's happened, it's done. But they need to start winning games. It's as simple as that. And like, I mean, you know, there's talk of a fan protest now next week before the game with Shamrock Rovers. Sometimes these Facebook things, you don't know how serious they're going to be. But obviously the more we talk about, the more it
1: raises awareness of it. Um, if Ian Sharkey you know, goes, he can bring the pizza and share it along. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like the, 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 the you know, the, the broader issue there is that things aren't really improving. Um, and they they are reaching around for any kind of solution to find some form, um, but it's it's just not good. And like you look at the, it's, maybe it's unfair to compare, but like you look at the Pat situation, and and uh, we're praising Pats a lot this week when they still did lose to Robbers, but you still look at, the look Pats at, the at recruitment
1: situation. though. Look at recruitment though. They brought in like, like six different, six or seven different nationalities in one off season. This but is yeah, but absolutely it's it, like- bonkers.
0: Well, listen, no, we've often spoken about needing to improve, you know, bring improve the league or bringing in players. I'm not necessarily against bringing in players from abroad, but you obviously have to be done your scouting in such a way that you're convinced that they're at the requisite level. They are good players, Dan, but
1: you can't just, like, load them into a, a, a team. No. And all the kind of fighting factions, then, that will obviously inevitably ensue. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, no,
0: listen, I, I completely agree with you. And, like, you know... Good teams like you know the dogs' best season was when they only recruited Benson and Macaleni before mm. in 2016, where well, you have something that's working. But like for example, they've signed Zahibo now, who's clearly a very good. I think he's clearly a very good player, look way But he's basically playing play. He seems more. He seems to be very comfortable in Chris Shields' best position, you know. Mm. So they've got someone. Who's, so now they're actually, through sections of the game the other day, Shields is actually playing more advanced because Zahibo was like taking those positions, and you're thinking. It's not like, it, it, you know, okay, you try and sign good players if they're available, but it's not sharp recruitment if it's if it's, if it's it's not addressing a problem that you have. Now, obviously, they knew they needed a goalkeeper and just, and just had a balls of it in terms of who they signed. But, like, they're almost, their squad is, like, top-heavy in some sections and actually not as effective in other areas. Like, you know, they you could definitely argue that, you know, they, they you know, say that the, 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 maybe sort of, you know, speed in some attacking areas and they've tried to address that in you know with some of their signings god but like, you like know, a signing speed obviously, last year they, they, yeah like they've signed like, like they've signed Han you know to to, to to touch on the Asian market you know and least he seems to be an okay player but again it's not it doesn't necessarily seem to be really sort of concentrated recruitment you know like you know Touched we have an issue with this market. player I
1: mean how do you even the, say uh, that with a, it was a straight I play. know I know I know and like so and mad.
0: it's no disrespect because he looks he looks like a perfectly okay player but mm. like it's just it's just more. It's I've this not lovely of notion stru- of these players, plan. like and like and what I would say is sorry, like I'm. I'm there. The whole thing was meant to be a degree of continuity, and like it's absolutely no surprise to a lot of people that you know, like post COVID, right? Post COVID, like their they form went off a cliff, as you mentioned. Like they did lose Rory Higgins at the, before COVID kicked in, um, and or they said they left, they lost them as a consequence of. Because Kenny was promoting earlier and then he took the job. You know, and O'Donnell had left. And O'Donnell and Higgins were like big parts of that of that setup, like very big parts of that players in terms of like, you know, how they were perceived by players. And you know, they were part of the playing culture of the dressing room that had won what went before. And um that went when they when they departed, and what you had there subsequently you know, wasn't wasn't the the, the the ingredients and the mix that was in mind when Kenny left to have a sort of the plan. Mm. Um and like losing them. I mean it's no surprise that O'Donnell and Higgins have subsequently been employed and got Know,
1: decent jobs in the league because that's their standing within the game. Well, you know, uh, c- speaking of um, O'Donnell, uh, uh, one of the lovely quirks of League of Ireland transfers is you get a coach who thinks a little bit outside the box like Stephen O'Donnell, so he brings in players like Jordan Gibson, but then Jordan Gibson ends up signing for Sligo within the league and then ends up having a really good season, scores against yeah. Dundalk. So I'm kind of thinking like it'd be great if these Dundalk players like Basically, we were, were let go at some stage and then moved to other League of Ireland clubs like to help their Korean markets or Asian markets and <laughs> became like really big in the league. But it is kind of funny when you think about it. Gibson's gone back to England or whatever, and basically he's signed by Liam Buckley. And it's like, well, now he's becoming a bit of a cult hero at Sligo. You know, that's always
0: been a thing. But I mean, Cork City went through a phase of recruiting players that Sligo had recruited, yeah. you know, like Sadlier and out of Bayer Rowling and, and a few others. And like, of course, they come into the league market. Like someone, someone takes the punch on someone and then you'll find like, just, like I don't know. It's very hard to predict what will happen with some of these lads. It's very hard
1: to predict what will happen. Will with patching at Derry, for example. Yeah, they're all in yeah, contract. Season.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's, but it's, see, it's about recruitment. It's about, you yeah, know. Well, and by the way, he's
1: been loaned out, by the way. And he's basically, well, he's, he's Dundalk's best player this season. He's just not playing for Dundalk. But, but like,
0: but in fairness, like, like a lot of the players, I don't, I don't think like, maybe one or two exceptions and like clearly some of the Americans just are nowhere near uh, good enough, but have recruited good players to be fair. Kolovic was a good player, just mm. maybe wasn't the right fit and they gave him far too much, they gave him far too big a deal. Like, you know, I don't think, I don't think like they were, like Tchaikovskis is a, is a good player. Like you see him playing for Latvia in proper games. Natastad has loads of ability from speaking to people. But it's about... time. These guys could be cult heroes he other clubs. Say, it's about, as you correctly say, you know it's about, like when you sign them all at the, at the at the same time you try and like throw it into a mad cocktail you play no games in pre-season really and you know they're they I mean they're now basically playing a system because of you know that they were going to start of the season you know and Zahiba was signed yeah i understand a great player comes in the market with a great pedigree you sign him but did they necessarily need that and maybe in 6 months time when he's fit and playing you realise yes they needed him he's brilliant but It's it's not smart recruitment, and they don't look like a team that's been put together coherently. Results reflect that, whereas Sligo Rovers, for example, had potential last year. You know, they they finished the season well, and then they maybe identify certain areas. We need something like a bulger. We need that. You know, we need something like a Gibson. And yeah, listen, not League of Iron Clubs, to be fair. They can look like geniuses afterwards. They They reach around a lot over the winter, and they try and ring everyone and anyone. And then you end up with a bit of a what? Oli Horgan, as you hear, will probably contact almost every can player. You, and can you voice. just
1: can you imagine Harps getting? Can you imagine if Ollie could buy Mitz Cogan? Like Mitz Cogan would be the best player ever for Finn Harps. He become he become like this fulcrum of everything. He's a really talented player, big lad. Best player I, ever. Be- for, for than, Harps Harps than Adam Foley? Than Adam Foley. Well, Adam Foley. I, I think Mitz
0: Cogan. I actually think Mitz Cogan oh, is good good one player. of
1: these. He's a good he, player. Johnny,
0: Johnny, I think Mitz Cogan is one of these oddities. I think he's a a very big lad who's not brilliant in the air. Have you but he's
1: like good on the true? ground? Oli had improved him in the air.
0: His best moments have been on the ground. Like there's a couple of headers that he actually hasn't been very convincing in terms of how he's attacked them. I actually mm. listen. That maybe that's, that's a harsh judgment, but even his goal for Klaxvik and Oriel was a brilliant twenty-five yarder. Like yeah. he's not or, or in that was Aviva, in, in the Aviva Stadium. The Aviva. Yeah. So like you know, there's there's quirks about somebody's uh, signings as well. But anyway, listen. Um, well, they, they've I suppose it, you know in a weird way. We probably should be glad that they've avoided disaster because we need we don't need more Col- we don't need cover to overtake the season. <laughs> um and they've they've probably in hindsight got away with one and they're probably still gonna be like Jim and Jim's conference tomorrow, they're gonna have to come out and talk about it and there will be some noise, but ultimately that will blow over. But I mean, obviously the broader picture of Tundalk isn't gonna blow over. But anyway, let's move on.
1: Yeah. I've always wanted to have Huey Douglas on the show. Always reminded me of like an, an extra and Braveheart. Defending- Michael Douglas. Michael, Michael Douglas. Yeah, Michael Douglas, yeah. Or his uh his dad. What was his dad's name? Kirk, was it? Kirk, yeah. But instead, Dan, instead, let's go to Jonathan Douglas, also known as Johnny Douglas, also known as Dougie, and also known as you have another name as well.
3: Yeah, back home clonus. Um, usually known as Joss, because obviously I have a couple of brothers now called Dougie. So uh to stop the confusion, I got Joss. And then obviously, I was explaining to his there. There's a program back in the day. These boys are probably a bit young for it, but it was called Jossie's Giants. It's a football program. Uh, and my uncle just started calling me that. So it's stuck ever since.
1: The in, ter- in terms of memories, right? So your Monaghan background. It actually saddens me that last week we spoke about Billy Baxter, and I was kind of remembering my old trips to Gertrude Keegan and um, some fond memories of it and, and just the sadness that the club was gone now. But your your background in that regard and your, your memories of Monaghan United and your, your brief time there?
3: Yeah, well, obviously, I first started at Columbus Town as a young lad, you know, under I think I still have my first under its um, trophy back home somewhere, um, you know, a wooden thing with a nice <laughs> bit of brass stuck onto it. Yeah. But- <laughs> Uh yeah, and then I moved to, uh, Monaghan United with a a man called Paul Johnson who was a big influence on the young boys in Clonus, um, and then you know with the the youths in Clonus sort of like stopped for some reason for a year or so, and then me and a couple of other lads went to Monaghan United, and then it just grew from there. Really, I went on and uh played for them the, you know the first division of the league of Ireland, and as you say, it's it is disappointing to see you know the way it is at the moment, um. You know, but I think there's still a lot of games going on, and Monaghan they still have a, you know, the Monaghan cabin, mm. uh, the youth that you know to play at Garry Keegan as well. So, uh, hopefully, one day, you know, in the future, that it, you know they might get another team back in the league because uh, it is very disappointing. Who was Man? Yeah, well, mean, time? it
0: has been a, it has been announced recently that they're they're joining the Ulster Senior League, which actually is quite an interesting development. So at least there's going to be sort of proper games. Uh, taking place back at, at the old place Like you were very young as you mentioned when you went into the Monaghan team in the first division and I appreciate there's a lot of water gone under the bridge since then but is hmm. there any memories that stand out of, of that time could, that you can recall? I just,
3: I just recall like you know I was playing for Monaghan and I was the only boy from Monaghan there uh, mm. you know m- most of the team were from Dublin and the, I never trained with Monaghan United I trained with Clonus or I did a bit of boxing training because you know I couldn't get up to Dublin to train with the team so uh, you know, looking back, I think that was that was probably not the right way to go about it. I think you know if you had more buys from Monaghan, you know, you more families going to the games, maybe generate some more money for Monaghan as well. So uh, if they do, as you say, go in the in back in the Ulster, so I think that's a step they need to do. If they do go back in the league, is you know gen- try and generate some more young lads because you know with the first division, you know, you can't get relegated, so you can only get better. So uh, I think it'll just be good for the you know the whole club and in, in, in general.
1: I suppose, in terms of the, you know, when we're talking about trying to get clubs into the league or clubs back into the league, how how difficult is it in an area like Monaghan, which essentially is absolutely Gaelic football mad?
3: It is, but then you have, you know, you have a lot of counties around it. Like you know, we're not too far from you know the north. You got Armagh, you know, to be you know big football in Armagh as well. And uh, there is if. If you got a team and you got a, a, a core of young lads from around the area, like from Armagh, Monaghan, Calvin, you know you're gonna get a lot of going, people going to watch them, mm. uh, and it can only generate good things from Monaghan as itself, is, because it is a shame that Gordon Keegan you know, it's not a bad setup, and uh, to see it not in the league, it's it is a it is a
0: big shame. So, so, Jonathan, listen, you you went to Blackburn initially, and you've had a long career um, over the water. You know, you played for Ireland, you played for Leeds. Um, Swindon, Brentford, Ipswich. Am I forgetting someone else? But a few loans you had along the way oh, yeah. as well in your in your early stages. And you know, you listen. You know, you made it in the sense of you went over. You've met a career as a professional footballer at a really good level. Um, and now you've flicked over to the other side of the fence in a different way. You're you're doing a bit of uh, I suppose agency work. You know, representation of players. Yeah. Um. How have you found that transition? Like we haven't necessarily. Like this are five years during the podcast and. We Just wanted something different, actually. That we haven't really spoken to, say, um, you know, the, the agents' perspective on things or the, the scout player scout perspective on things. And you're looking at League of Ireland games now from the perspective of someone who basically hasn't played in the league other than your very your very early days, which is, in fairness, it's a very different time, you know, in the yeah. context of a football in this country. So, how have you found that transition, and what do you make of the league watching it from afar? Uh,
3: I think the league is. You know, you see a lot of the young lads uh, you know, playing I'm talking about England now, you know, they're playing like under eighteens or under twenty threes football and you know, it, it's not real football, you know what I mean? There's there's nothing at the end of it, there's only like, you know, young lads preparing for first team football. Whereas I think the young lads in the League of Ireland are, you know, playing men's football. You know, they're playing against grown men week in, week out, and I think they're getting more experience that way than as as if they were on playing under twenty three. So you know, the League of Ireland is a big market for us, uh, you know, as an agency. And uh, for me, you know, personally being Irish and, you know, made that step over from Ireland when I was 16. Uh, you know, I'm able to tell the story that these young lads are going to go through. You know what I mean? It's not it's not easy. You know, it's not all playing sailing. It's, they're going to go through difficult times and stuff. And I think the League of Ireland this year and the last couple of years has benefited from, you know, the quality of, you know, some of the young lads that maybe haven't made it over in England, but that do go back. Uh, and there is a lot of quality in the League of Ireland you know there's no there's no getting away from that and uh, how and do
0: you uh, get a handle on the levels like you know if you're watching a game and particularly different and difficult sorry in COVID times when you're watching them on you know a laptop or whatever you know like how do you how do you get a handle on on what what attributes a player needs because we've seen players go from the league they might have dominated the League of Ireland here for various reasons and it hasn't happened for them over the water and then we've seen others, have maybe slipped under the radar a small bit here and they've they've gone to like another level when yeah. they've moved. So like how do you get a handle on
3: it? Well that that's up to us as an agency to you know to place them young lads at the right club. You know what I mean? We we don't we we, we, we do a lot of things on data and uh you know I think football's going down that route now where you know we don't want to just you know throw a young lad at some club and it's not gonna work out for him and then you know in a year or two he's back home. You know, we want them to have a long career in England and that's placed them at the right club at the right time. Uh the way we get a hold of is you know you know as well as I know everybody knows a good footballer, you know, what I mean he's got to be able to you know get around the field, especially nowadays it's you know you got to be very athletic and uh you know obviously good on the ball, you know um just confidence as well, but I think getting yourself around the pitch and you know holding up if you've, you've 17 18 year old lads playing against, you know, 30 year old grown men and you know, if they can hold themselves up, the uh, you know the thirty-year-old men when they're seventeen, 18, why can I not do that when they're twenty-four, 24, 25, and they're coming over to England? Like, so mm. uh, you, it's it's easy to pick a good player, but it's difficult to get him a right club at the right time and make sure he stays there and make sure you know he, he's enjoying it. Like, because you see too many young lads coming over to England. Like I, I was fortunate; those six or seven of us, uh, the rest of the boys back home to Ireland, and you know someone who played in the League of Ireland, like Robbie Doyle, and. Uh, Mickey Lawless from back and started playing for a while, uh, so it is it is tough going, but it's it's down to an agent to being a good agent and you know placing them at the right you know the right place.
0: Being honest about it, like what is the perception of the League of Ireland in the U- in the UK? Because you know you will hear at times disparaging comments, you know, and I understand that the English football culture can be very Anglo-centric. Like you know, it was like what was what was the one last year? Pearl Stephen Wardock you know, at one point said thought there was a lad from Red Star Belgrade working as a plumber or something because he ran right, it online, Jay. you know. Like, you know, there's a very, can be a very Anglo-centric approach of like, you know, they'll they'll, they'll talk about Scott, Scottish League as if it's rubbish as well, you know, so it's not necessarily yeah. an Irish thing. But is there a perception issue that the league would, would obviously face over there?
3: Yeah, there would be probably because, you know, some of, some of the people think that, you know, young lads should come to an academy and, you know, learn that way and uh, probably look down at, you know, at some young lads, it's twenty twenty one, and it's probably say, well, why has he not been over in England? You know, before, you know, what mm. what's what's the reason for it? What, you know, there must be a reason for it. But you look back through the years there, and and the lads that have come over, you know, I, I know Kevin Doyle came over a little bit later, um, you know, Shane Long came over a little bit later, and you know they've went on to have unbelievable careers. So there is there is still that perception of you know the league of Ireland's being you know a small time league but you know when you look at the quality in it especially the young lads coming through now there's there's definitely you know there's definitely a market for
1: it. and you look at like Joe Hodge and obviously Yaros at St. Pats and they, they, there seems to have been even you look at like um, Lewis from West Ham and um, Cork City did it a bit last season despite the fact they were struggling they, they actually got players from like really high calibre clubs so has something changed? Uh,
3: Yeah it probably is probably a lot of clubs are probably looking at Ireland and saying that they might, you know, throw a few lads out and alone there. I know you talked about young Hodgson. I went to Derry. I know he got injured and had to go back to Manchester City, but uh, it is a good way of, you know, young boys getting first team football in a, you know, at a very good standard. Like, you know, the likes of, I know Dundalks not having, the, you know, the perfect start this year, but you know, the likes of them competing in Europe. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, you've got Shamrock Rovers so who've got a lot of experience and you know, young boys that are going to come up against know, players like Joey O'Brien who's playing in the Premier League. So it is a it is a good a good grounding for, you know, some of the clubs in England to send them over to Ireland.
0: Mm. So so you would have watched we were just talking before you came on there about Pat's Rovers at the weekend, which was you know the top of the table clash at the moment. I know you watched that game. What would your what would your thoughts have been in that match, you know, in terms of the, the what would have struck you from watching it?
3: What do I take of that as what you know I, like Forrester, why, well, like you know, why is he not still playing in England? You know what I mean. That the quality that he has, uh, I remember seeing him playing for, um, you know, for Peterborough. Uh, I was at Ipswich at the time, and he was playing sort of like reserve team football. And you're just thinking, like, why is he not, you know, playing at a higher level than he is? And then he goes back to, back to Ireland, and for one reason or another, you know, he's he's kicked on a little bit again, and uh, maybe it's a bit too late for him to come back over. But then, then you look at Sean McRover as the players that they have, you know. The young Watts boy who's a Leicester, uh, you know, playing centre midfield and, uh, you know, the boy from Brighton, Mandrew, as well. So, uh, you just, there's always a thing is why, you know, why it hasn't worked for them. You know what I mean? Why it won't work for them? Because you can see the quality that they have when they're playing and, you know, standard of football is very good between those two teams. And I think Shamrock Rovers is going to win the league this year and, you know, they might do well in Europe. So, uh, you know, as I say, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it is. I do enjoy watching League of Ireland games, you know what I mean? Because I think, you know, the standard is, you know, the standard is high, like it's there's a you know, there's a better standard. I watch a lot of League Two games and I'll be totally honest with you, maybe the League of Ireland standard is, you know, a little bit better in some League Two games as well. So, um, as I say, it's a it's a good grounding for some of the young lads that you know that are coming through from Ireland. I suppose I the thing say, is,
1: Danny. It's just it, it must be like watch the game on a laptop compared to being at the games. You reference how like for you to be able to go come over now to watch these games in Ireland must be a bit of a game changer as well when it happens.
3: It will, yeah, it'd be brilliant. Uh, um, you know, I've got uh, Owen Toll, who's at Derry City, so uh, you know, I was lucky enough before the you know all this you know kicked off and stuff, I got to watch him a couple of times, and uh, the atmosphere was great. I think they played against Shamrock Rovers, and you know, it was a good standard, you know, good game. Up and dairy, so uh, it will be a game changer because, as you said, it's, you can always watch so much you know, on a laptop and you know a little screen. So uh, you know, try and hook it up to the TV, maybe to try and get a you know bigger you know bigger screen to watch it. But you know, when I'm in the office and watching games and stuff, it is difficult. And as you say it'll be a, it will be a, you know it will be a great uh, a great bonus for us, all, especially for me to go. Away. Number one, be able to go home and see my family, but you know get get to watch some games as well.
0: I mean, and um, the 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 Forester one is an interesting point because he would have spoken really fundamentally he just couldn't settle when he went over to England that was the issue that was the personal it was a personal issue as opposed to an ability issue with him Mm. and like that that's the one side of making the transition that people always speak about that it's actually learning to live in another country like it's 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 I think sometimes as well like you know there's a there's a sense that well agents are just trying to get players out of Ireland and place them and just get them out and get them into a club. And obviously there's a demand right. for that. Now, in fairness, I don't think that was the case with Chris at all. I would have known the people that represent them. I think he was very careful about where he went, but he just fundamentally couldn't settle. And and that's part of it as well. Like if you're, you're dealing with the player, you can talk about their ability all day long, but it's about actually going to a place where they're happy and they're in the right environment. It is. It's, it's a massive part, part
3: of it. It's 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 one of the. It's probably one of the biggest ones, you know, I was fortunate enough. I went to you know Blackburn, and as I said, there was you know four or five of us other Irish lads there, and you know to this day, you know almost you know twenty odd years down the line, was you know we're still really really good mates and stuff. So it was a good group, and you know I was lucky. But you say there, there is a lot of young lads that do come over to England and don't settle, uh, for one reason or another. It is difficult, you know. You know you're moving away from home. You're probably only sixteen, and I know it's changed now with Brexit and stuff, but um. Uh, you know and some some evenings you're on your own in the house and you, you know you have nothing else to do to only you know probably playing computer or you know you're missing home or you're missing Christmas you're missing Bertie's and it is very 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 difficult and especially now with mental health as well and that's you know another good thing about our agency you know we have a lady who you know we've employed called Sue Parish, who used to work with Brighton uh used to house some of the young lads like Aaron Connolly whenever they come over and uh, she she looks after you know the player well being so if a young lad has any problems because you know a lot of them don't want to go to the clubs and speak to the clubs because they don't maybe don't want it getting back to the manager that you know they're not feeling mm-hmm. right that you know they mightn't play that you know that weekend because of it. Uh so at least you know we have somebody like her, the experience that she has that um you know they can go and talk to her and, you know in you know in full confidence and I think mm. it's uh, our players. It you know, Robbie
0: Doyle that, was Robbie Doyle playing the music at that stage when he was a Blackburner Is this a yeah, yeah. later development or was he? uh was he entertaining no. you in the digs in the evening was, or whatever? With
4: to his be
3: students? fair, to be fair to Robbie Doyle, he uh, he helped me through one of the darkest times of my career. Rupture my cruciate. I was out for ten months, maybe um, a year, and uh, just in the evenings he used to he used to crack out the you know the guitar and give us a sing song and stuff. So, uh, and that was a great help. And then we had Fred Murray, who's uh, you no, know, he's in the agent to the stars now. Oh so, yeah, he's uh, doing
0: physio it, for the stars or something. Is that what he's doing? Oh, no, sorry, yeah. physio
3: yeah. for the stars now. So, uh, he would, I think he was just playing the guitars. Well, so the two of them would just, uh, you know, crack open the old guitar and have a little sing song. So, uh, he had a good lads, and we, you know, try and k- catch up every every other Friday and Zoom and stuff, just to have a chat. That's very nice. good. When
1: There's that connection still there? Yeah. When you talk about the, when you talk about just the, you know, the lady who's working for you and looking after that aspect of it, is 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 um new vision an outlier in that regard because like I would have this view of an agent as like you know somebody who's basically making money from the game to kind of better himself and, and maybe I'm wrong there and you look at obviously the what you read in the papers is the guys at the top level that make obscene money um you know more than nearly the GDP of one of these countries just by by signing players and kind of you know prostituting them around uh, the world or whatever but like what's it like in terms of the new agency is this are you an outlier in that regard or is that the way it's going?
3: Uh, I think we'd probably be one of the first, but I think that, you know, that's the way it's going. You, you see the young lads nowadays, you know, coming out of the game and, you know, having troubles with, you know, the mental health and stuff. And I think to have somebody employed, you know, with the experience that she has, uh, you know, and the young lads, some of, some of them at the very start are a bit wary of speaking to, you know, somebody from the outside. That, but as soon as she tells in her background that, you know, She's been in, you know her ex-husband was a professional footballer you know she used to look after all the young Brighton lads that came over from Ireland and you know she used to house them so she's been in and around football for a long long time and you know the soon you know gel to her and you know start opening up for her and you know that can only benefit the young lads and you know benefit us as a company and you know we've got you know four or five five or six agents in the company obviously head of football but I think she's probably the most important you know employee of the whole company if I'm honest with you
1: and we spoke to Kevin McHugh, your, your fellow Ulsterman, last week, just in, in relation to kind of the work that's been done at underage level um, at Finn Harps, for example. Like, where do you see this going? Because you're talking about young kids coming over. Brexit has sort of changed that. What's the opportunity in Ireland now to bet in some sort of a football industry that kind of can keep these kids at home? And how will that affect the relationship between Ireland and Britain in terms of players going over?
3: Well, obviously... You know, young lads can't come over like whenever I first came over at sixteen. You know, young boys can't do that now. Uh, so you're probably looking until they hit 18, 19. So it, I can only benefit the League of Ireland as well because you know you have you know the better talent staying in Ireland and playing and mm. uh, you know coming through there. So until you know probably meet the criteria or get the points that you know enable them to come over to England, uh, you might see a lot of young lads going. You know there's talk of a few of the young Shamrock Rovers boys going over to Inter Milan and you know teams academies around Europe which you know should be great for you know that you know the teams like you know Inter Milan and Brucey Dorkman and because as I said the young lads coming through Ireland as you can see in the underage levels and you know the tournaments they'll be playing in and how well they're doing it's you know in about you know five ten years it's you know it's only gonna benefit the you know the national team.
0: So so who do you enjoy watching in the league at the moment then? Um, Dougie like you know in terms of I appreciate you have your professional hat on you know and you're watching games but like what who do you actually just admire watching enjoy watching um, do you know who I, I really it's, it's mad because he's, he's sort of
3: like playing right back or right wing back it's a it's a James Brown lad of Drogheda I think it's a very good oh, player. Yeah.
1: Well it's interesting you say that because there are a lot of people very annoyed. He wasn't even nominated for the player of the month, which was like complete oversight. But uh the James mistake. Brown has, has not gone unnoticed from the Dougie. Yeah.
3: No, he hasn't no. I've I've watched obviously uh, I've got Owen Tolandary as well, who, you know, I rate very highly I have done since, you know, signed him up a few years ago. And uh, you know, hopefully it's only a matter of time before he comes over to England. Uh you know, he's had a couple of good years in Ireland as well. Captain the Derry now, uh, Northern Ireland international. But I do really like um, that brown lad of Drogheda. I like the young Johnny Kenny boy of Sligo, playing up front. He's only a young lad as well. scored a couple of goals. Uh, Sligo going well. Um, so there is a, there is quite a few of... Uh, I do like Watts, who was at uh, Leicester. I remember watching him a couple of times on, on the 23s football for them before he we went back home. Uh, so as I said, there's a lot of talent coming through and uh, it can only benefit Ireland in the long run.
0: So, you would have played with him. Um, you mentioned Joey O'Brien there. You obviously would have played with Joey for Ireland under Staunton. So, sort of, you would have crossed yeah, yeah. over, wouldn't you? Yeah, would have,
3: would have, yeah, I would have played with him and played against him, obviously, whenever he was at, uh, I think he was at Bolton at the time and, you know, teams like that there. So, um, he was actually playing the night I went to watch Derry, and uh, you could see that, you know, he, he played at a high level. Like, it, he was in cruise control, to be honest. And, um, I don't think it has changed because I was watching the game the other day and he was the exact same.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you obviously admire the desire of those lads. I know he's actually, if you be a fair bit younger than you, but like, you admire the desire of the lads who sort of kept going, who yeah. still they still want to come home, home and play.
3: Yeah, Simon Madden's probably another one. He was, uh, he was at a of Rovers a few years ago, right back. I remember him as a young lad at Leeds and, you know, he's still playing it to a high level as well. So, uh, you've Gavin Pierce as well. I know he's playing up in Northern Ireland now, but he went back and played with Sligo. And uh, there is a, a good, good group of lads that who I would have played with in, uh, you know, clubs in various, uh, various occasions that are, you know, still, you know, playing a trade over in Ireland.
0: Just thinking at Blackburn, you would have encountered, Damien Duff would be what, maybe a year or two older than you? you would have
3: Duff, been there was, Duff was two years older than me, yeah, so uh, we used to hang around together, me mean, Duffer and uh, Alan Mann was there as well at the time and yeah. uh, Stephen Reid, so it was a, it was a good times back then, obviously, I was, you know, Duffer went through a stage where, you know, within two or three years, probably two thousand and two World Cup, where he's probably the best left winger in the world at that time. So mm. uh, you know, got his move to Newcastle uh, to Chelsea, sorry, and won a couple of Premier Leagues. So uh and now doing good things with the, you know, the school boys in uh Shelbourne.
0: Yeah, like I mean what have you made of his transition to coaching? Because he's 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 clearly got very firm views. Like you hear interviews from for Damien and there always used to be this thing when he was younger he used to love sleeping and all this stuff he had this you know that sort of adhesive that sort of of late, syndrome yeah. that sort of that sort of style that he had and you think yeah. but obviously there's an intensity about him like there is, that maybe, um, uh, we don't know about
3: you know yeah Todd, there is. is yeah he's he's very very dedicated to be honest with you I didn't think he'd go down the coaching road you know what I mean I just I didn't think he'd you know stay in football but uh, he's he's one of these people once he gets his his mind to it then he you know he gives it everything gives it 100% then uh, you know, he started out at Shamrock Rovers back home, and he I think he changed everything around there. You know, he had the young lads training before school and stuff. Mm. And uh, he's probably doing the same at Shelbourne. And you know, to have young lads from back home in Ireland, especially around Dublin, you know, if you've done I mean, those tough coaching you, then you know, who better to you know to learn off really?
0: Why did you think you wouldn't go into it? As a matter of interest,
3: uh, I just didn't think. I just didn't think he had that. He had whenever we'd speak back in the day, it was never, it was never an option. Like he'd always, he we, we wouldn't say what he'd do, but I just never thought he'd be a a coach. So it it was a surprise to never see him take this route. But it doesn't surprise me, you know how good he is because, as I say, once he puts his mind to anything, he's as you say, he's full on. Like he he dedicates his life to it. Same as when he was playing, as you say, the sleeping and you know the eating well and looking after himself and. Uh, I'm sure it's no different now. Well,
1: it's funny though as well, like because like my other sort of the half of my career is, is horse racing, doggy, and like I would ask every time you interview a jockey, it's like, would you think about going down the training route afterwards? Like, so in football, is it automatically assumed that you stay in the game? And did you think, well, I could go down this route, or I could actually go down the coaching route, or are you, you know, have you your mindset maybe on doing something else down the line?
2: Uh,
3: I when I first. When I first retired, I was doing obviously the coaching route, I was doing the B badge and doing the A badges and then I just found myself that uh, a couple of young lads that I'd played with had uh, were sort of like struggling to find clubs and, you know, they weren't the next big thing anymore. know, weren't in England on the 19 or on the 21 International and they, they found them that their agent had, you know, tossed them to the side for somebody else. So uh, two, a couple of them asked me to, you know, to help them out. So I started ringing around and, Started enjoying, you know, getting in contact with clubs and looking after, you know, looking after lads, and then I started getting the buzz of going and watching them playing and watching them playing well, and uh, you know, I spoke to the missus and said, you know, I think this is a route that I might, you know, might go down. So I set up my own company, and then I went for a couple of years doing that, and then a couple of years before, uh, probably November time now, just before Christmas, uh, New Vision came along, and uh, Andy Burton, who obviously is probably know from Dundalk mm. and stuff. He he approached me and asked me, did I, you know, fancy going and working for them. So um I started there just before Christmas, yeah, and I'm, I'm loving it. It's you know, it's very good. I'm also doing a sporting director course at uh, masters in uh, Manchester. So I'll be just finishing my first year in that. So uh, that's something else that I'm enjoying doing as well.
0: Well what's this time of year like um over over in, in England? I don't know, did you have the experience of it yourself? Like, I'm reading, like, you know, Sean Williams was released by Millwall the other day. Like, every other day this week, you'll read about yeah. X has been released by Y, you know, and, and you, all these players have been cut adrift. Cut and I know with the pandemic as well, it was a particularly nervous time for older players over there. And I would have spoken to some, you know, particularly down the divisions. Like, it must be a fairly brutal time of year.
3: It is brutal, yeah, because especially the older you get, the you know, obviously the more brutal it is. You know, I've, I'm still mates with, like, Luke Chambers and, you know, Cole Scuse of Ipswich, both of them have been there for years. I know, they, and just in the spit of, you know, five seconds chat, you're gone, like, and you know, you're looking for a new job and uh, you might have to uproot your family and move somewhere else. So it is brutal, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a business for some clubs. And uh, if you're 35, 36, then, you know, sometimes you're not worth anything to them. You know, they want the a young 21-year-old that maybe they can, you know, bring in and you know sell on for a profit. So, uh, as you say, it is brutal, and you know there's only going to be more from you know from this week on. I think clubs will start to you know look for their recruitment for next year, and uh, unfortunately, some lads are going to be out of a job.
0: Do you have much experience of that side of it yourself? And you're, I know you moved move from club to club. But I don't know were you always moving for fees, or did you have any of that contract stuff? I suppose maybe towards the end, did you have any of that uh, kind of thing? Well, maybe.
3: Maybe the, the, the most was probably Brentford, whenever um, they started, decided to go down a, a different route just before signing signed for Ipswich. Um, you know, just signed a new contract six months before that and everything was going well. We were in the playoff off semi-final. Unfortunately, we got beat, but, you know, we were in the championship, got promoted the year before. and uh, You know, for four years or something, I probably only missed a handful of games. And as I say, you go into the office and that's it. You just hold it. You know, you can go and mm. Then, then mm. you're left to, you know, sometimes you're left to train on your own, or you're training with somebody else who's leaving, and you're coming in in the evenings, and uh, you're not allowed to be in whenever the, you know, the lads are in. So you know, it is a difficult time. But as I say, that, you know, that could make or
1: break some players. Could it not? Like something as shocking as that to the system, like to just completely derail you, could it not?
3: That is, but you know, you gotta, you gotta realize that you know, there's other clubs out there that, mm. you know, it's all about, it's all about opinions. And you mentioned Sean Williams there. He's, you know. Been a good midfielder in the championship for you know a number of years now for Millwall. So uh you know a lot of a lot of clubs, although some don't want experience, there's a lot of managers out there who, who will need experience It probably have too many young boys in the in the dress room. So uh I don't think it will be too long before he gets at the club. Yeah. How,
0: how important before we let you go, Daniel, like, how important is the right manager at the right time, you know, for the right player? Because there is that there are those little twists of fate, isn't this? You know, it there's is.
3: <clears throat> definitely yeah. It's like everything else, but luck. it's been—you know—you could go to a club and think that you know you're going to be mediocre in the in the division and just you know sail through the season and you know between 12th and 15th and be happy, or you know you could get a centre forward he's going to score 30 odd goals and you could find yourself promoted. Like so, uh, it is a bit luck, and it's been at the right place at the right time, and uh, I think I was at the right place at the right time for, with Brentford whenever initially staying with them, you know. They were taken over by the new owner and they were going down a, a different route and, uh, you know, it was an exciting time for the club and, you know, they've built on it as well. So uh, I was very, very lucky to, you know, join them when I did.
0: Quickfire, what manager had the most influence on you in your career, good or bad, in terms of like, you, you'll obviously sit down with your mates and talk about your career at various times and you'll talk about characters. Who, who, who instantly comes to mind when you would have that discussion?
3: I liked. Uh, I really liked Graham Souness when he was a Blackburn. Wow. I just thought he
1: was <laughs> that's interesting.
3: Yeah, and uh, I, I, I liked. I liked lads that were, you know, managers Mick McCarty, that who were like straight and honest with you. You know, there was no, there's no b- bullshit with them. Excuse me, French. But I, I, uh,
1: I grew up a Liverpool fan. Like I, I, I thought Souness was disaster. Obviously, he wasn't.
3: Well, for me, he wasn't because uh, he started playing me in the Premier League, and uh, <laughs> he. He, uh, you know, for me as a centre midfield player, although I didn't play centre midfield when I was playing with Blackburn, uh, you know, for me to be able to, I was 21, 22, to go and ask him for advice and, you know, have him as your manager, who's, you know, I'm a Liverpool fan as well, so probably one of the best midfielders that Liverpool's ever had. So to be able to call upon him for some, you know, bit of advice here and there, it's, you know, it was great for me.
1: And Any chat with I, them at all about how they imploded in the early 90s or...?
3: Not really, no. I thought I it was I thought, there I wasn't a talking that. point.
0: <laughs> I, I, I worked I worked with a, I worked with Keith Gillespie on his autobiography many, many years ago and he had this story about soon uh basically walking into the canteen one time topless with like you know a towel wrapped oh. around him and a pair and a pair of suit shoes on or something. But like, yeah. this was obviously a, this wasn't a big surprise, right? He was obviously, no. he, he knew he was in good shape.
3: He knew he was massive as well. He was I, I was, I, as I said, I was rupturing my cruciate, so I'd be in the gym in the evenings, and everybody else had leave, and he'd come bowling in with these shoes and a towel wrapped around him, topless, <laughs> just pumping weights out, just an absolute tank of a man. It, I don't know how old he was then; he was in his fifties, maybe, but he was just ripped, legs on him like tree trunks. You could just, you know, it was one of those players where you could just tell that, you know, he was a monster when he played. Like so, uh, yeah, I was actually with Bestie. At um, yeah, yeah, at, yeah, at Black one at the time, and it's funny because I, I read the book as well, and the time he's had the scuffle with the guy on the on the bus, and
0: <laughs> oh yes, yes, <laughs> with, yeah, the uh, assistant
3: manager at the bus, so like I, was oh there. yeah,
0: yeah, you were not um, holding him back or something, were you? No, no, no,
3: him? no. Craig Short was holding him back. I was just, I think I was probably making the tea because I was a young lad and getting the teas <laughs> in for everybody else, but. uh Oh, good times, good stories, and uh, you know, it was a good bunch of lads back then. You know, we got promoted obviously from the championship to the you know the Premier League and you know won the League Cup as well. So that
0: no, was good. Listen, yeah. Johnny it's been great having you on. And hopefully, oh, when um, I have you... him, Dan, oh, oh, one more question for him, one more question. One more question. One question
1: obviously, I mean, you're going to be like the, the Monaghan United entity that returns the league, you're going to be the celebrity first team manager when it happens. For all of that, you have your agency career. What, what are you on the market for new LOI players, and what, what have you to offer them if you are?
3: Yeah, obviously, you know, what What my niche is, is, you know, uh, what a lot of the Irish or the, a lot of agents over here don't have is, you know, I'll, I'm a young lad who, you know, had a dream when I was 16 to come to Ireland or come to England, sorry, and, you know, try and make it as a professional footballer. And uh, Some of them young boys that are, you know, going to try and make it are going to go through the same things as me, like, you know, homesickness. Uh, Missing Christmas, you know. Missing birthdays, uh, you know. Probably funerals, um, you know. Probably injured, um, and just just being down in the dumps really, because it is very very difficult. You know, we've seen we've seen a lot of young Irish lads come over and been thrown in the clubs, and you know, end up being back in in two or three years and not really having anything to show for it. So, my that'd be my worst nightmare is to you know to see young lads like that 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 I represent, you know, come back to, you know, come back to Ireland after a couple of years and uh, without being looked after because um, I think, I think that's my go-to because I've been there and done it, you know, I bought the t-shirt and, um, you know, it will be up to me to look after them and be a, you know, an extra parent really for them, you know, when they are down, you know, just a phone call away to call from them. And as I say, the people we have employed in our company as well, can help them out like Sue and our head of football and, uh, the other agents as well so it, it is a good company and uh, you know I'm, that's my market I want to look after the young Irish lads and at the end of the day hopefully benefit Irish football and uh, you know Irish senior team because yes. like, every, like every other Irish man I want to be going to the World Cups and uh, the Euros so um, you know that that would be a, you know a dream for me to watch some young lads come over from Ireland and go on to play for Ireland
1: it's been excellent having you on. And if you do get the Monaghan job and like the team is just full of dubs, basically we go back to this podcast and say, Well, mm. you've 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 just said exactly what you said wouldn't happen.
4: <laughs> that's, that's what it'll
3: it'll it'll be full of young lads from Monaghan and Calvin and around the areas, hopefully.
1: What a man, yeah, Dan! He, he hasn't is. lost a semblance of his accent after all these years. No, no, unlike
0: unlike frauds such as myself, who lose their accent when they went to Dublin for six months.
1: Unbelievable! He's finally <laughs> admitted it. It's
0: unbelievable! I know. I can listen. I hate myself. All right, listen. Thanks, Dougie. It's been very happy. Pleasure. Now. Thank Top you very much.
1: What did happen happen? Your RD accent, actually, genuinely, like we've never really talked about this. Well, I've I I defended you many times. <laughs> you, you, I've I've been with um, um, people kind of who said, "Oh, Dan, dream, has a posh accent. Dan, has a Dublin We're accent." About... And I'm like.
0: Which, uh, we're talking about dreams and and my tennis mm. history last week. This is then becoming sort of therapy, yes. Mm. But I don't I don't think I ever particularly had that strong an accent to start with. But That's fair you enough. Could tell, you could tell me differently. You you spoke to me uh in the in the in the late nineties before I went to Dublin. Yeah.
1: But uh, I don't he think hasn't lost really. his accent and hasn't lost his love for the game. You would argue.
0: Uh Douglas certainly hasn't. Um No, and um. Yeah, listen, it's, it's interesting to hear some of the stories there. And, and, and obviously, like, um, the agency market, to be fair, in Ireland has become quite, quite crowded. Um, and, like, you know, you know, scouting representation, like Gary Rogers, I've done a bit of scouting, and, you know, there's some very sort of, uh, you know, well-regarded sort of agents working in the league here, you know, at the moment, have been around for a long time, you know, Graeme Barrett, people like that, you know, big part in a lot of careers of the players at the Rovers including Richie Towell, who who's, mm. who's who's on his way there, and Jack Byrne and, and many others. And as they do have a role to play in the game, you know, like the, you know, and, and and generally, you know, I have to say, like a lot of my dealings with with with, with lads working to beat in Ireland have been reasonably positive because there's not there's not massive money to be made here. Exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. Now, of course you are hoping and everyone's hoping that you 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 know you get the next big thing who who really takes off and, and is liquid for you. And yes, listen, there's ducking and diving that goes on. There's unsavory stuff that will happen. There'll be competition for players, you know, you know, at underage level obviously, you know, it's always a gray area with going to parents and selling clubs, you know, selling dreams. And there's an element of that that everyone has to do and, and it's not a perfect game, but mm. but generally I find that like you you'll find that a lot of the better ones have actually good personal relationships with the players and their families, and you know they have to treat them as persons and as you know as, as people. Uh, and if they don't, like you know, their their name can be dirt quickly enough. Like we, there was obviously super agents at the top of the games doing their thing, and like to be honest, a lot of them are loved by their clients too. And the reason they've got to it is that they're clearly probably good at their jobs, um, but it's not always it's not always nice. But but um. There are big life decisions that, that lads face, and this some people. Some and I will, and I will say this: some people have obviously got through their career without without really having an agent at all, as well. Too, if they have a, a family situation that allows it. I mean, Matt Doherty has barely used agents until you know until recent years, for example. Um, but but clearly, you know, good advice and good life decisions is is a big part of what what you take. But um
1: if you're looking do- <laughs> for something to watch on Netflix, by the way, call my agent. The French series is absolutely brilliant. There I uh, said this yeah it's you know way of people lockdown
0: well I've well it's funny we spoke about dreams last week and how clearly uh, how you're in but I've been watching Drive to Survive the uh, Formula 1 uh, behind highly the highly regarded documentary. absolutely top class but uh, as a result the last couple of nights I've been dreaming about uh, like Formula 1 racing and stuff like that it's, will like, you start watching exactly. it now yeah, then we did. I possibly will. Yeah. Mm. We've had, we've had a good response to the dreams comments last week, actually. Yeah. Through the various well, the people I actually are... neglected to mention, I, I forgot a great detail of that Finn Harp story that, I, and it's clearly because my current affairs is overlapping into my dreams, that not, I mean, there was one shock that I was playing on my own up front for Finn Harp's in the street. Mm. But the other thing is that Owen Murphy, the ex-housing <laughs> was playing midfield. Now, I mean, and I remember in the dream, people pointed out that he was the a opposition player. The hand, yeah. And I was thinking, and I was thinking, like, well, you can obviously waste suited to the short term contracts of the League <laughs> of Ireland, you know, 40 week season. You don't need a long term home anywhere. You can just, you know, so you can rent from one club to the next for a while. You, um, your mind works yeah, in
1: strange ways. Th- th- that's yeah. a,
0: definitely my worst. Turners. But anyway, the quiz, this week's four star pizza quiz question. And you may see that we're linking a topic. To a previous guest that we've had on so as I mentioned Monaghan United it is great they are coming back we talk about them like they're dead sometimes but they're actually, the club is still there you know, many fond memories stuff. of
1: Gert Keegan and exactly. the cows running down the hill as the goal was oh, scored oh yeah.
0: yeah the, the Mon dog was that the hot dog as well like, that's every right Monaghan, but the, 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 nice but bar they're, they're as well they're you the bar as well, you'd be in the bar before the game and,
1: and you could kind of the watch the game. game. You know, you could kind of watch it out through the door if you wanted to. Be. There'd be premium
0: premium seats outside the door. Like it was like a smoking section before there was a smoking yeah. section. That's where the crack where the crack would be. But anyway, um but they are they obviously are back, you know, in the ultra senior league. And who knows if that's a ticket for something else. I completely forgot to mention because I should also mention Jonathan Douglas, Clonus Town. You know, his, his old schoolboy pitch is now John Delaney Park. For That's Sunday that United. is correct. How yeah. do you feel, feel about that? You know, he's mm. talking about there is a his old trophy there with a bit of brass attached to it. But um, but anyway, the the uh the, the question the question the question this week is Monaghan United related. Monaghan United, as a League of Ireland club, went out of business in two thousand and twelve. Um, during the Euros, the question this week is who scored Monaghan United's last. Competitive goal. It was actually in an FEI Cup match, um, and this player, ex player, has been in the news, unfortunately, uh, for, for the wrong reasons recently, uh, which is a mm. bit of a clue. Um, was yes, the player to score the last competitive goal uh, for Monaghan United um, in, a, in a match of, of significance, um, and it was a, a FEI Cup win away in
1: Sligo. Favorite uh, Gert Keegan memory: Northern Ireland were playing Germany in some sort of a game. Um, the day before, and uh, we arrived. <laughs> we arrived in the bus from Galway, Gert Keegan, and there were these German lads in a car, like waiting outside the ground. We arrived early, obviously to get a few points in. And they're like, "Yeah, we've we've been here for a few hours. We wanted to avoid the crowd rush." They're <laughs> like, "No, no, it's grand, lads. We've about just, like thirty people here, including the players." Uh, great memories.
0: Yeah, well, we've got thirty people and players at a lot of matches now at the moment. with closed doors mm. games, um, and you were at one last Friday as your reign as Galway United media officer hit another bump in the road. Reign of the error, Brave Wanderers. Reign of error. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, just goes to show it's, it's it's not always about quantity. You know, in your big media team sometimes it's about quality. This is not happening for Galway United right now. But you lost to Bray Wanderers, and in fairness to you, you're 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 bigger than your job. You don't you don't just. Don't just wallow and, and take the Galway. Well, you know, the, the volunteerism. You know, you don't, Scott, of course, the, the only volunteers in the country are involved in GAA. Sorry, it's obviously a job if you do it volunteer, as a volunteer for League of Iron Club. But anyway, after the defeat, you, know, you didn't just retreat to your uh, to your Galway friends to reflect on what happened. You went to talk to Gary Cronin, uh, the Bray Wanderers manager, about what was a very big win for them.
1: Your reaction at the end of the game there, I know it's like uh, you know, like a lot of draws or whatever, but just to get a win. Yeah, look, come here. It's it's been a long um,
4: six, seven weeks, whatever, since the start of the season, and it's been you know difficult on a lot of things. we listen, there's no excuses. We, we're hard to beat, but we haven't won games, like, you know. And it's hard to look at the league table but under your Ws. There's the zero with the quality that we have, um, but we're going to get stronger. You know, the bodies are going to come back, and hopefully we get stronger, and hopefully we can put some wins together, but. You know, tonight's game, there wasn't anything in tonight's game, you know, it was, a, it was a battle to the end, we played really well in half an hour, Galway were excellent for 15 minutes that second half, could have went in in, in, in ahead, we could have been two up, they could have been two, one up at half time, and uh, yeah, I think from both teams' point of view, both teams have quality and we know we're under pressure to try and win games, and um, you know, we got the goal from the corner, Galway could have easily got a goal from the corner. Um, but I think our boys deserve that. Deserve that little bit of luck there tonight, um, and uh, to win it, you know, in injury time, it's,
1: uh, it's a good feeling. I know people focus on the Premier Division, but like there's a lot of drama in this division. A lot of teams scrapping, and your reaction at the end of the game, and that when you scored, I guess that's why you're in it. You know that that joy that you get out of it. Yeah, like we've had enough times coming into our dressing room, even
4: though most of them have been draws. Enough times coming in feeling that two points we've got away from us, and uh, it's that that's disappointing. But the, isn't isn't that the thing about sport, isn't it? The the, the times when you're you're down and. You know, you're, you're, you're disappointed. It makes the times when you win even feel even better. And obviously, in the manner in which we won so late on, where it's looking to be a draw, you know, and maybe that would be a fair result. But just to uh, nick it at the end is a, a fantastic feeling. And look, come here, as you know, that last October, you know, we two late 1 0 defeats to Galway, which, so course, our season last year. Um, and and most of that hurt you that time because obviously Bray had had such a good season. I it, it was it was a typical Christmas to be honest with you because it was eating away and not not the way the games went against uh, Galway. There was opportunities before then, but uh,
1: um, yeah, look, it, it hurt, it hurt. You're uh, a young manager as well, starting off.
4: <laughs> Thanks for forty-two now. So
1: yeah, <laughs> like I'm thirty-eight, so
4: I'll call you young. Here. But uh, now look, it's. Um, it hurt last year, obviously, because we were so close. I mean, we were kicking the away, ball, ball, winning and getting promoted, and then, so within a week it was taken off us, and that was hard for, uh, to take. So, but we're past that, we're over that, and you know we've had a difficult start to the season, results-wise. But look, our lads have been excellent. they have been doing what we're trying to do. We haven't changed our attitude. We haven't tried, stopped trying to play the way we want to play. And um, you know we got rewards tonight. But you know, obviously, just that's just one victory. We'll dust ourselves down. We have to enjoy the victory because we haven't won in the first six. But um, well, we're in. In the morning,
1: we'll go do a recovery, and then it's on to next Friday, fully focused again. And just Bray as well. Obviously, you're 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 there. The club has kind of had a rebirth since you've joined as well, and it's it ha- it is a special club with a lot of history as well. And I assume you you know you, you realise there's a lot of potential there
4: if things can go well. It's a fantastic football club. I remember being there before as a coach, looking at it when we were playing against them. We we're thinking, it'll be great uh, to be part of. Uh, you know the seaside club, like you know, mm. and speaking in the summer, it's a fantastic ground, and um, just wanting to get the fans back for the atmosphere and all that. But um, everyone wants that, right now. is so. that, yeah. yeah. Look, it's yeah, it's a great club. Um, to be honest with you, over the last few years, you know, has not been easy. But I think it's fair to say the club was stabilised in many ways. But there's a hell of a lot of work to do. Obviously, a lot of clubs have work to do in their in their and the academies to feed into the first team. and our, op- our, our um, objective from the first team is to get promoted into the Premier to have mm. Premier football back in Bray because I think the Bray supporters deserve it and they're, and they're, and they're used to that level of football
1: so um, that would be part of our job as coaches and players to try and do that. And even as a, as a fan the first vision you go to game tonight and you, you see the, the, the likes of Brandon Cavanaugh playing mm. like and he's almost worth the admission alone the way he can play at times.
4: Yeah, look, I mean he's... Um, It'd be nice if you can play him as free as the board all the time, but obviously he has to he rose into the to the system as well, but he's fantastic on the ball. I and mean, we have really How um, did you get him now to be fair? Like yeah. I mean, that was the biggest surprise. How is he playing in the first division? Well, I mean everybody asked me for Brandon after games, and I have to say there's loads of obviously great performances and of, of excellent players around there. How? Um a little bit of persuasion. was the persuasion. A little bit of persuasion, and um, you know, we gave him something that you know, he felt it was good for him.
1: Well, he obviously has. He doesn't have the ego to say I'm bigger than this. He's here to he's play football.
4: No, he's a fantastic professional. He's he's only 20 years of age and. We're from the same neck of the woods so I can relate a lot to Brandon and that's what it was <laughs> um, everyone knows his talents there he, he, without, without question he's a he's a premier player you know, mm. I think we I don't think anyone would disagree with that but what he wants to do is he wants to win he wants to make sure I think Brandon could have easily signed for the premier side last year but he wanted to make sure that he was playing uh, trying to be a key player in the side and obviously we done well last year and with uh, the delighted he chose us but you know it, it, Brandon alone wouldn't be able to achieve anything. It's 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 a it's a squad in the group and we have some great professionals there and a good balance of experience and young players but you know if we can get the players that we've had been missing over the last you know four or five weeks if we can get a fully fit squad again we've got a really good competition there for places.
1: Just finding him looking at John Coffin going in tonight, very disappointed obviously you know it's been a mixed season for going United so far. How hard is it for a manager, a young manager when you're under pressure and results are going against you and you've as you say you've that long Christmas to stew over things. Yeah.
4: It's it's difficult and and, um, you know, John had more experience than I in, in football management. We had a chat about this beforehand um, because, you know, I know they won down in Cove, but it's a similar run and the expectation, both, both of us are, have the high, higher expectations to, for results. But, um, it, it, it's hard, like, I mean, it's hard on the family, it's hard on the young kids uh, and you're going People home.
1: don't realise that either, you know.
4: Yeah, like, I remember after the Cove game, it's a game you should have won. Everyone knows that didn't look like conceding. We gave away a silly penalty and we ended up dropping two points down there. It was devastating. The next morning it was difficult, and you know your kids the next morning are coming to you saying, "Cheer up, dad. It's it's, it's hard on the on the family, but you know you got to dust yourself down and, and and go again and believe in what you're trying to do. You have, have the support network of the club, um, and the chairman, and that's that, that's good. But look, at, at no point in the group do we ever think, to ever feel, going to no, know, we don't know what we're doing here. But we know exactly what we want to do. Um, the players believe in what we're trying to do. So, we just have. anytime you get knockbacks, you just have to stand back up and go back on the horse and go again.
1: i got to thank you for getting us, Andy Myler, on the show this week. An absolute gentleman.
4: Yeah, Andy's a top bloke. And, uh, don't let him go under the radar this yeah. season. You today, here next inside. Um, I don't know how they've done today, but. Um, it's going to be a mad fight this it's season. It's a fight. Uh, you know, that was one of the games that we had a nil all draw. Everything was 50 50 possession, was 50 shots, for 50 50. The whole shebang. Um, yeah, and, and he's a great fellow and played around here at three different clubs. Uh, he's uh, some stories. <laughs> we'll get them in the
1: future podcast. Thanks, William. We'll have you on soon. Yeah, cheers, Johnny. Anytime. Top man. Brilliant. Thanks. Yeah, that was uh, Gary Cronin. It was funny, Dan. Um, obviously, with the COVID situation, the Bray lads, our opposition players are now um, togging out and togging in in what is effectively the goal United bar. And will mm. be the bar, I think. Oh, just remember
0: that. the bar, Jesus Christ! That, that, like you got a TripAdvisor promo on this at one point as well. I mean, it's so ah. it was
1: such a cool bar designed by Frank, the wedding planner, and yada yada. Apparently, the bar the bar is coming back, um, and 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 so on and so forth. But the the opposition team is actually training is actually talking out in the bar because of COVID that was grand. So I went over outside the dress room just waiting for uh, Gary Cronin, and you could hear like he was giving this impassioned speech to the players, like you know, I, I believe in you. And it was silence. It was just like, I believe in you. I know we've had like a bad run. It was their first win. But, you know, this this group was only getting going, blah, blah, blah. And then, hey! And then somebody just put on like massive dance tune hits like straight away. And the place was like a party. <laughs> and I was like, that it reminded me of the old days. Remember like Wimbledon used to have the music in the dressing room and all that. So I was like, yeah, it was just a reminder of what was on in dressing rooms, I suppose.
0: Maybe they just started serving. The bar, maybe they just said,
1: <laughs> but big, big win for Bray, and uh, yeah, I mean, now, now hopefully they kick off. But like, Dan, it was it was a bit mad. Brandon Kavanagh, like, so you're there in the first division game, obviously, you have Connor Clifford, Gary Shaw, Aaron Barry, um, a lot of these sort of ex premiers, and then Brandon Kavanagh's in the middle of it, who was described when he came on against Dundalk in that 5 2 game as by one player as the most exciting League of Ireland prospect I've seen in ages, and there he is just playing first division and obviously being Brandon Cavanaugh. and you're like this is a bit mad how, yeah. did, you, how did you get Brandon Kavanagh anyway so Bray are going to kick on now I think
0: yeah I, listen, I know it's hard for you to comment but I, mean, I have to say Galway as a full time club need to be doing a lot better in that division I mean, it's, it's, it's stating the obvious their, their, their form is going to have to pick up and listen maybe over time it will I mean you see Cork see City at least hitting a bit of form last week mm. and we, I know we, 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 we touched on it with um, touched on with Andy Myler that that the, the, the full time teams over time, you know, you would expect them to come to the four. But I mean, from the goalie perspective, they need to come to the four. You know, very quickly I would have thought this weekend's fixtures, right? What have we got on the agenda on Friday? you have got Finnhands <laughs> against Dundalk. Yeah, again, is, uh, this is the I like the Tommy Tiernan section of the
1: show where like we've no idea of what's coming off in terms of the fixtures. Ooh, well, well I, I actually do know the Premier. Di-
0: I, I do know the Premier Division. I do know. I do the Premier Division fixtures. It's Drouad against the Pats on Friday evening. 7:45. I might be going to that game. Hopefully, then Saturday you got Shamrock Rovers Derry six o'clock. Sligar Rovers Waterford six o'clock does not take place, of course, for COVID reasons. Um, it was meant to. So you only got two games on Saturday. that's Shamrock Rovers against Derry, as I mentioned, and Longford Town. Um, good result for them up in Derry again. Yeah, conceded some pretty heartbreaking late goals this year. Uh, Longford Town. And they're at home to Bowes, as I mentioned, and we'll see if Bowes are in a bit of four. What's our first division fixtures, John? Yeah,
1: Bray against Cabinteely is something of a something of a derby game, and Galway United against Wexford. The n eleven know. derby or something? Is that what it, is? Is it what Yeah, the, the n eleven derby, one of the one of the Dark most uh, beautiful kind of inroads in in Ireland around that route around. Uh, the Glenn of the Downs and all that. Bray into Cabin Teeley, Bray is going to be a big one, obviously. Go United, Wexford, not so much. Wexford having a really, really dreadful start. Treaty Manager not... gone as well. Manager, Manager gone as
0: well. Managerial change,
1: yeah. Yeah, um, it's kind of, you wonder where Wexford are going in some respects. Um, but in any event, Treaty at Goal Loan. on Friday
0: for starters. And then yeah, Treaty um, gets that
1: loan. Treaty at Loan and UCD Cork City. And then Saturday, Cove uh, visits. Shelburne who are somewhat oh, like host Sh- Shelburne host Coast Sh- host Shelburne. Shelburne so like some somewhat like Shamrock Rovers kind of well expected to win the league albeit not expected so much but Shelburne seemed to be well on the way to having a very good season at least for a tricky trip to Cove it's never easy to go to Cove Dan never easy to go to Cove
0: no 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 I mean it's, it's a bit easier now though mm. like the, the road the road down south is uh, better than it would have been in, in younger days going down to Cove. So I think I'm going to Cove for the hard game. hard to go. Man. Not technically as hard. To, I actually think that the hardest place to go in the country at the moment is probably Bally Buffet because the roads. No, yeah. Afterwards. I think that's the hardest place. If you, want to, if you want to take that theory, you know, you want to test that theory and say, what's the hardest place to go and take it literally, I, mm. I'd say, I'd say Fenhearts.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm planning to go to the Galway United Cork game in Cork, um, which is next weekend. So that'll. I was trying to think. When did I last see Galway United play Cork City in Turner's Cross? And I think it's honestly about twenty years ago or something like that. Like long, probably long Patsy, time ago.
0: Patsy Frayne was having a little smoke
1: during the match, was he? After running the show in midfield, probably. Um, and yeah. we signed like one of this, one of my, my vague memories of of, of going, to, I've only been to a handful of court games against Galway and invariably we were well beaten. I think there was one game I was at since then. But anyway, um, we, we, we had this thing with, with with these Bayesian players. So Eric Levine, who obviously left a, a, a remarkable legacy around Galway, um, and uh, we signed two other kind of cult heroes from Barbados around Donna Reardon's time and I was only getting into the League of Ireland at the time but then on the recommendation presumably of some of them players they signed Llewellyn Riley who was this striker and uh, his first game was in Turner's Cross and it was effectively played in like some sort of a kind of a a hailstorm and uh he just got the plane back and was never seen again. (laughs) It's just like, I'm going back to the beach or whatever. And like, so we had like, we had this thing, I saw Llewellyn Riley was like this badge of honour as a going out fan. I was at the game. The great white hope, like he just got the next flight back to the Caribbean. Don't know where he is now. Yeah. I mean, hopefully he made it back. Yeah. Eric Levine had a good career though. I assume he is. Llewellyn, can you remember
0: his first name?
1: Llewellyn. That's one of those tricky Welsh ones, isn't it? Yeah, it's like like
0: Carl Lewellen. I mean, mm. Riley is in R I L E Y. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Or had, sorry, R-I-L-E-Y I think Riley.
0: so. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm
1: going to try and Google him here as we as
0: we speak. Luther live.
1: Watson was the uh, the cult hero in midfield, and Ryan Lucas as well, who had a goal scoring yeah. record. It wasn't great, but he did have a goal scoring record.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can I cannot find the uh, Wellen. If he, if he, can we can find Llewellyn and
1: in, Riley? No, he's he's.
0: He has not the podcast
1: not, on that. I, I think I think that could be the future as well. These podcasts that are like, you know, West Cork oh, that you can download and they, they enliven you rather than the rubbish that we talk every week.
0: Well, actually, sorry, I mean I'm just reading it here. It suggests that uh, I found his, uh, his, his 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 Wikipedia page here. Um all time top scorer for the Barbados national team. It suggests he like a Rovers afterwards. I don't, I don't know if he did. I don't think that happened, Wikipedia's, no. But then he went back to Notre Dame Bayville. So that's he would have been he, a good uh, player,
1: like he just didn't fancy it, like he did not fancy it that day in Cork.
0: Yeah, Notre Dame Bayville. I mean, I wouldn't be familiar with their work uh, or what he's been doing recently, but uh, he's uh, yeah, that no, that, that's that's very that's very powerful. I mean, we, we can I'm sure we can track him down or someone out there can track him down. Um, sort of suggesting he actually he might be he might be doing some coaching over there by looking at now at the moment. It's amazing what you can find online, you
1: end up signing and, but
0: anyway, a bit of a tangent. Well, I mean, this is it, actually now he might get the manager's job. Get on to him, I mean, Bill.
1: He, get on to him. He's
0: he's he's coaching, coaching with their premier team. There he is. Yeah,
1: he's which basically strong, means coaching. he has a better CV than Giovagnoli who got the job. No, in the with Crossways. Notre Dame
0: SC, which is under the under the heading of the Bar, Barbados FA. So Riley I mean, rules
1: yeah. out move to just Dundalk. He thinks Ireland yeah. is a cold shithole. Just
0: before we go, just before we the global warming. Maybe if we concentrated on global warming instead of talking about football, we could do some good journalism on that. I see Bray Wanderers, by the way, just before you go, I've hit, hit it big again. Sky Sports News posting a clip of dozens of Man City fans gathered outside the Etihad Stadium last night to celebrate the Premier League title. Bray Wanderers' response, we've had more people show up for a club-sponsored cleanup of the local area. And uh, it's, it's, it's going viral, as they say, Johnny. So uh, Bray are definitely uh, top of the social media charts this year. Um, if not if, if not anything else at the moment but who knows who knows but uh, yeah listen looking forward to seeing the, the weekend's game I mean to see if we have kind of a little bit of a title race I actually think that the Pats game and draw it is a really big one because they've had their first defeat of the season and it's how they bounce back from it
1: like, ah, the big game Pat- is Derry and Tala like how, how Derry will respond to that challenge I think they'll do well
0: no 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 to me the big game in the context
1: of the season is the Pats one is it a must because, win then is it a must win well, for Pats
0: I'm not saying that all of their games are must win, but I definitely think like. Would you say all of their
1: ter- games are must win? <laughs>
0: <laughs> in, ter- <laughs> in terms, of, in terms of momentum, I think to get back on the horse as quickly as possible.
1: So it's a must win. Know, I,
0: I think this is a this is a game where the dropping points would be a big momentum blow. Yeah, I think it would. Um, you're you're dying it to be declaring a must win, but I think like if Pat's you know can. Can beat most of the teams below them we will in theory have a title race for a fair period of time yeah, we won't be that yeah. far
1: behind I also um, think some of the teams are like the likes of Bowes and Derry will be on an upward curve from now on as well I think
0: it's possible it's possible Okay. Thanks now, Jerry, very much listen, for... Derry had a tactically approach Rovers would be interesting Murray Higgins and Paddy McCourt were at the game on, on Saturday mm. so will they will they be as um, aggressive and 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 you know press as high as Pat's did that would be an interesting thing to watch I'm not sure do they have the players to necessarily do that uh, as effectively we shall see. But
1: listen, we'll be back next week. Thanks, thanks a million to FutureTicketing. um who uh, are, are, are growing their stable, as it were, and uh, hopefully we will have fans back. Uh, I mean, Tony hulham wants it back like earlier than the government. He's like, "Ah, oh, June will be grand for a crowd back." So the government are just like they're so afraid of everything now, from housing to blah blah blah. Anyway, we'll see you soon. Thanks a million, and see you next week.